invite you to take a copy of God's Word or take a pew Bible and a pew rack in front of you and turn with me to the fifth book of Moses to look at the fifth commandment in the Ten Commandments. So we're looking at Deuteronomy chapter 5, just one verse this morning, verse 16. Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 16. We've learned already in our study of the Ten Commandments that uh, the commandments are both vertical and horizontal in their concern. In other words, they're, they're concerned with both love for God and love for neighbor. In the first four commandments, we've considered uh, mainly our duty of love to God, and now today we're shifting to think about the duty of love to our neighbor. It's always worth remembering, as our fathers in the faith often spoke about the Ten Commandments, they called the Ten Commandments the rule of love. That's what the Ten Commandments are all about. They're all about love. Loving God and loving neighbor. This is the shape that love takes. So with that in mind, let's, uh, let's hear God's word. Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 16. Let's give close attention to the hearing of God's word. Honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God commanded you that your days may be long, and that it may go well with you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Well, I think it's safe to say that by today's standards, the fifth commandment sounds pretty wild, doesn't it? With uh, our suspicion, our built-in suspicion of authority, our commitment to individualism, a notion of freedom that we are free to live life however we choose and see fit, the command to honor your parents and others in positions of authority may seem outdated and perhaps even worse, worse oppressive. The fifth commandment speaks a profoundly Countercultural word, doesn't it? Calling us to show honor to others. And from very early on, Christians recognized that this commandment extends beyond the family, but it begins there because that's where life begins. Makes sense, doesn't it? And I want to suggest today that instead of being outdated, uh, the fifth commandment has, in fact, never been more relevant and needed. And so we'll consider this commandment today in two parts. First, what's commanded, and secondly, what's promised. The commandment and the promise. The fifth commandment teaches us that loving our neighbor starts at home. Now, love doesn't stop there. But it's where it starts. And, and that makes perfect sense when you think about it. Because if we don't love, learn to love our closest neighbors, the people that we live with, we will never be ready for the demands of love placed upon us outside of the home. Another way to think about it is if we don't learn to respect our parents who brought us into the world and who brought us up, we will never Learn to respect anyone else, anywhere else. Love begins in the home. 
When you think about it, no other human relationship is so fundamental and so basic. The family is the basic building block of society. Before any other institution, before there is a society of people with other institutions and with a government, you have the family. It is the first and primary human relationship we have. And so the family is foundational in this way. It initiates us into the rest of human society. The the family is the first place we enter into relationship with other people. For, For good or ill then, for good or ill, it's the first place we learn about love. It's the first place we learn about God. It's the first place we learn about authority. And so any society that undermines the family and fails to honor fathers and mothers is on the fast track to self-destruction. It ends up committing suicide because it undermines the basic building block of all human society. And I think you'll agree with me that that appears to be what we are experiencing in our society today. So it's a important question to ask. What does it mean to honor your father and mother? Very basically, very practically, what does it mean to honor your father and mother? It's important to recognize that honoring our father and mother is expressed in a variety of ways through the various stages of life. Honoring your parents looks different over time, doesn't it? For everything, there's a season. But I think, I think there are three basic categories we can use to try to organize the Bible's teaching about this. First, we should obey our parents when we are young. That's, that's very simple, very straightforward. When we're young, we should obey our parents. Second, we should, we should care for our parents when they get old. We should obey our parents when we're young. We should care for them as they get old. And third, we should honor them in every stage of life. It's early, middle, late. We should obey our parents when we're young. We should care for our parents when they're old. And at every stage of life, we should honor our parents. Actually, the word for honor here is the word, Hebrew word kavod. It's, it's the same word that's used in the Old Testament to describe the glory of God. The weightiness, the significance of the divine majesty. It means that in your relationship with your mom and dad, you, you respect them. You value them. You you don't treat your relationship with them lightly. You don't treat them lightly. There might be laughter and joking around, but there's a weight to the relationship because you wouldn't be here without your mom and dad. But let's unpack this a bit more, those those three categories. First, when we are young, living with our parents, we are commanded to honor our parents by obeying them. By doing what they tell us to do. Period. Because without saying, the opposite of honoring our parents is dishonoring 
them. But the thing we need to recognize is God takes this very seriously. In fact, in in the Old Testament, in the Mosaic law, dishonoring your parents is considered to be one of the most serious sins. The child that is rebellious, the child that refuses to listen, the child who rebels against their parents' teaching. God takes this very seriously. But today, disobeying our parents is seen as just just a normal part of growing up, isn't it? But listen, Paul, Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 3 that disobedience to parents is one of the signs of this present evil age. In other words, disobedience to parents is a mark of a life of sin. It's a way of life that belongs to this world of sin. But since God redeems us, that means he he leads us out of that way of life into another way of life that's described here in the fifth commandment. So listen to what Paul says. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 20. Okay, kids, kids, listen closely to this. Colossians 3, verse 20. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Did you get that? Obey your parents in everything. Not just when you want to, not just when you agree with them. Not just when it's easy, not just when you know you're going to get something out of it, in everything, Paul says. And did you catch the reason why? Why? What's the motivation that Paul gives for obeying your parents in everything? He says, for this pleases the Lord. Now stop and think about that with me for a minute. It's amazing when you think about it. It's obeying your parents brings pleasure to God. It pleases him. Think about that. The God who created the heavens and the earth, the God who who created the sun, that giant ball of fire, and placed it in the sky. The God who created things like brook trout and the stellar sea eagle and Jaguars, those are just some of my favorite animals. But take your pick, your favorite facet of creation. Whatever it is, the God who made all of those things, he sees and he takes delight in you obeying your mom and dad. When they tell you to do something and you just do it because they told you to do it. The God of heaven and earth takes pleasure in that. This commandment, it's not, even, it's not just for the youngest of us here, it's, it's for teenagers too. So it's your turn to listen closely here. Have you thought about this? Do you remember this each and every day? Honoring your mom and dad is God's will for your life right now. He wants you to listen to them. Even when it's something you do not want to hear. 
He wants you to obey them, even when it's something you think is stupid. He wants you to have an open ear to their instruction, even when you don't want to hear what they have to say. He wants you to heed their warnings, believing in your heart, they really do want what's best for me. They they love me, and perhaps because of their vast experience, they might just know a little bit more about how life works than I do. He wants you to respect them, and that involves obeying them, not with the grunt and the rolling of the eyes, but willingly. And look, I, I know this isn't easy. It's, it's hard, and, and it's convicting because we've all struggled here. We've all, we've all been here thinking we know better than mom and dad, thinking that, look, they, they, they just don't get it, they don't understand. And then there's the influence of our culture right now. I came across a magazine this week in preparation, a magazine for teen girls, and on the front cover of the magazine is this question in big Letters, do you really hate your parents? And I'll try my best teen girl impression. The answer is, like, who doesn't? All right, that's what's on the front of the magazine. And inside the magazine, you'll find an entire article giving you instruction on how to deal with your detestables. Right, that pretty much sums up how a lot of our kids are trained by our culture to think about their parents, detestables that you have to learn to deal with. But but guys, listen, God wants you to be different. He wants you to shine like the sun in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. And I'll tell you, one of the ways that you can do that is by honoring your mom and dad, by doing what they say, by taking their counsel to heart, by heeding their warnings, by not taking your relationship with them lightly, by loving them. You see, whether you're a young boy or a girl or a young man or woman, your obedience matters to God. You ever think about that? God is pleased when you listen to your mom and dad. When they, when they tell you what's right and good and true and you You do what they say. He sees that in those day by day, moment by moment, little choices that you make. And he's pleased when you listen and do what you're told. That's a pretty amazing thing when you stop and really think about it. Of course, we need to say that the command to obey your parents is not an absolute command. The authority that your parents have in your life is a derived authority. In other words, they are accountable to God, and God has given them that position and that relationship in your life to tell you what's right, to tell you what's good, to teach you to walk in the way of wisdom, to to know God, to trust him, to love him, and to serve him in all of your life. But listen, if it comes down to a choice of obeying Jesus or obeying your parents, you've got to go with Jesus every time. We can never let honoring our parents get in the way of our honoring God. That's an important qualification. The honor we owe our parents 
never comes at the expense of the honor we owe to God. So if your mom or dad is telling you to do something that you know God says is wrong, you are not obligated to listen to that. Parents need to remember not to use their position of authority in a self-serving, selfish way, but instead remember that they are stewards of their children called to nurture and train their children to know and love God. But this this commandment, it, it isn't just directed at young people. It's a call to a lifetime of respect. It's directed to every single one of us at every stage of life. Adult children continue to owe their parents honor throughout their whole lives. And as we get older, we should, we should certainly listen to our parents' advice and counsel, to ask for their input, to respect their input. But adult children, of course, are not under the same obligation to simply obey the way that we are when we're in our youth. Right? It goes without saying that a 40-year-old man does not honor his parents the same way a 4-year-old boy does. Right? That relationship changes over time. And so again, wise parents recognize that there are ways to lead their children that are appropriate to the varying stages of life. We, we grow up and mature gradually. It's not like a light switch gets flicked and we become adults overnight. Wise parenting takes that into consideration. I think the book of Proverbs is a great example of this. As the father lovingly instructs his adolescent son to take hold of wisdom for himself, to embrace wisdom, to walk in the way of wisdom, and turn away from the path of folly. He urges his son to listen to his mother's teaching and instruction. Proverbs shows us that as children mature into adulthood, that parents are wise to lead less by way of direct command and more by way of counsel, instruction, and example. And failure to do that provokes children to anger, right? Talking to your 15-year-old son the way you talked to him when he was five years old is not wise parenting. And that being said, we, we honor our parents when we're young by obeying them. And when our parents grow old, we honor them by taking care of them in their old age. Listen to what Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 3 and 4. Honor widows who are truly widows, but if a widow has children or grandchildren... Let them first learn to show godliness to their own household and to make some return to their parents. For this is pleasing in the sight of God. Did you catch that? Everything that was said about children when they were young obeying their parents is also true when adult children take care of their aging parents. God takes pleasure in it. He's delighted by it. It pleases him. We are currently living, if you know this or not, in the midst of an elder care crisis here in the U.S. Just ask anyone working in nursing home or assisted living facility. We are in the midst 
of a crisis with the brokenness of family life in America. Many are now growing old with little to no family support. And many adult children who are seeking to care for their elderly parents find themselves struggling. Look, I'm, I'm, I'm so grateful for the examples that I see here in our own congregation. You might not know it, but examples I am learning a great deal from as some of you take care of your parents and older family members. Many of you are sterling examples of self-sacrificial elder care. And and one of the things we need to do, one of the things I'd encourage us to do is, is share those stories with others, the things we learned, what to expect, how to prepare beforehand, Uh, How to help others get ready to honor their parents in this way. We need to learn what it means to do this. It's hard, but God sees it and God takes pleasure in it. That brings us to the second part of the command, the promise that we find in, in the second part of verse 16. Why should children honor their parents? Well, for a lot of reasons. Paul says, for this is right. And we've seen that it pleases the Lord. We could, we could add that parents are worthy of such honor for all of the sacrifices they make for their kids. They should be listened to because of the wealth of their experience. There's also the simple fact that it glorifies God. <laughs> and that's reason enough. Because it's a reflection of the image of God's obedient son. We'll come back to that in a little bit. But God gives us another reason to obey here in verse 16. There is a promise attached to the commandment. Paul says this is the first command with a promise in Ephesians 6 verse 2. The reward for obedience to this command is that your days may be long. That it may go well with you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Now, what does this promise mean for for us? I mean, the fact that Paul quotes uh, both the command and the promise in Ephesians indicates that it's it's not only applicable to the Israelites living in the promised land, it's it's applicable to, to us, to Christians living today. The command, and in some sense, the promise is for us. This promise of long life is meant to motivate us and encourage us. I think this is what we could call a proverbial promise. So let's, let's think about this for a second. The point is not that people who honor their parents never die young, or that children who dishonor their parents never grow old. Some obviously do. But the point is that honoring our parents is the ordinary path, the regular way to life and peace and blessing because it conforms to God's design. A wise father says to his son in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace, they will add to you. So this is, it isn't just the kid who, you know, heeds his parents' warning to not run out into traffic. 
that's gonna, you know, who's going to live longer than the child who doesn't listen to his, his parents and runs right out in front of a truck, right? Something more than that is in view here. The proverbial promise isn't just about quantitative life, but qualitative life. Listen to your mom and dad that it may go well with you. We could put it this way. Don't be the stubborn fool that we meet in the book of Proverbs again and again. Who refuses to listen to counsel and instruction. Who insists on his or her own way every step of the way. Who always thinks that they know better. Who is driven purely by passion and desire. What they want. And who never stops to think things through. The inevitable outcome of decisions that, it, that are made and where it all leads. Life does not go well for the fool. Be the son or daughter who listens to wisdom that it may go well with you. That's the idea here. I think it's good for all of us to ask ourselves how we're doing keeping the fifth commandment. Does our relationship with our father or mother or other authorities in our lives honor God? The truth is, it's hard for children at any age to honor their parents. It's hard for all of us to honor authority the way we should. And truth be told, the fifth commandment, just like the other nine, exposes our sinful hearts, doesn't it? Here's some questions to examine ourselves just within the context of family relationships. Do you ever talk back to your parents? Do you ever hide anything from them? Do you ever lie to them? Do you ever find yourself silently cursing them? Do you, do you speak well of them? Do you ever deliberately disobey them? Do you ever expend energy and effort in trying to cultivate a relationship with them? Are you giving them the care they need and the honor they deserve? See, we all, we all fail somewhere, don't we? We all fall short. Not a single one of us here this morning is a perfect child. But you see, the good news, the good news is that Jesus as one of us, lived as a child, growing into adulthood, keeping the fifth commandment every step of the way. He honored his heavenly father by honoring his earthly mom and dad. This is perhaps a a part of Jesus' life that we don't think about very often, but we should. When Jesus went to the cross for us, he paid the penalty for all of our sins, including our breaking the fifth commandment. But Jesus did more than that. Before he died for us, he lived for us. It it wasn't enough for Jesus to just pay the price of sin. He also had to offer to God the obedience that the law demands. And Jesus did that. In in part, with a lifetime of honoring his parents. 
The Gospel of Luke draws attention to this, saying that when Jesus was young, he was submissive to his parents. Now, that is just mind-boggling when you pause to think about that for a minute. The one who created all things, the one who sustains the universe by the word of his power, the one who is Lord over all things, willingly subjected himself to imperfect parents. And he did that for you. He did that for us. There is something inexpressibly profound about the way Jesus honors his mother as he was dying on the cross. Something infinitely moving in the fact that in the apex of the agony of the cross, Jesus thought about taking care of his mom. Think about that with nails in your hands and feet, grating against bone, you're fighting for your breath. What comes across your mind? My mom needs to be taken care of. What am I going to do about it? Despite the inexpressible pain and suffering, Jesus committed his mother's care to his beloved disciple John. He said, remember the words, first he spoke to his mother, woman, behold your son. Now we might wonder, why does he call her woman? That seems like it's disrespectful. (laughs) He's actually honoring her. He's actually recognizing the exalted position that she has because he is identifying her with Eve as the woman who would give birth to the son whose heel would be crushed but would crush the head of the serpent. But then he turns to John and he says, Behold your mother. And John says from that day forward, he took Jesus' mother into his home. So the good news of the fifth commandment is that it tells us how Jesus lived for us. He always honored his heavenly father and his earthly parents. He lived the life God demands. This reminds us, brothers and sisters, that God does not accept us on the basis of what we have done. He accepts us on the basis of what Jesus has done. And one of the things he has done for you is kept the fifth commandment. God's obedient son. And this is is what our obedience is all about. Being conformed to his image and likeness. And you see what that means. It means now that as, as we trust in Jesus, we can seek to follow this command, not out of a sense of guilt, not out of fear and shame, not out of attempts to try to earn the love of God, but out of the love that we have already received, knowing that he kept it for us and there is now no condemnation for us, but there is grace and there is power in Jesus Christ. to to obey our parents when we are young and to take care of our parents when they are old. That's really, I think, what Paul is getting at in Ephesians 6 when he tells children to obey their parents in the Lord. A lot of commentators 
trans- interpret in the Lord as, you know, your relationship with the Lord governs your obedience to your parents. Okay, maybe that's what Paul means, but that certainly doesn't seem to be what he's talking about in the 150 other times in the New Testament when he talks about God's people being in Christ, in the Lord, in Christ Jesus, in Christ, in him. He's saying by faith you are connected to the Lord Jesus Christ. You're not doing this on your own. There are resources available in him that empower us to follow in his footsteps, obeying and caring for our parents. There is grace. There is grace for children struggling to obey their imperfect parents, their mom and dad. There is help for those seeking to change clothes and make meals and to care for those who may not even recognize us anymore. There's encouragement that in the Lord, God sees that obedience and sacrificial care, and he takes pleasure in it. Well, friends, there's a, there's a whole other aspect to this commandment that I wish we had more time to explore. I was actually thinking about another sermon on this commandment. I'm going to try to touch on it briefly. And it's the implications of the fifth commandment for our relationship to God and to the church. Think about this. Jesus came so that his father would be your father. And when uh, Jesus said from the cross, Behold your mother, if you know the Gospel of John, if you know John's writing, You know John's saying a whole lot more than just take care of my mom. He's saying that, but more. Mary is a representative figure. She is, along with so many other women in the Bible, a representative figure of the church. This is precisely how she's described again by the Apostle John in Revelation chapter chapter 12. When you have a description of a woman, and it's clearly Mary, giving birth to a son, and that, ancient, that great dragon, that ancient serpent, comes and seeks to devour the woman's son. But he was born to reign. He was born to rule over the nations, and he is swept up into the presence of God, seated on the throne. And so what does that great serpent then seek to do? He goes after the woman and the rest of her offspring. You see what John's doing? On the one hand, yes, he's talking about Mary and Jesus, but at the same time, he is, he's talking about the church and the people of the new Jerusalem. This is what it means to be a Christian. It means to have God as your father and the church as your mother. Friends, that is not a Roman Catholic way of thinking. It is a biblical way of thinking. God is our Heavenly Father, and as Paul says, the Jerusalem above, she is our mother. Isaiah, in Isaiah 66, describes this Jerusalem as a fruitful and nurturing mother and describes her children, her offspring, 
as nursing infants who drink deeply with delight from her glorious abundance. He describes her children being carried upon her hip and bounced upon her knees. They are comforted and their hearts rejoice as they are made to flourish like the grass of the field. Do you ever stop to wonder why did God order the family the way that he did? Understand the family is a temporary institution. Our families are not forever. In the life to come, family will give way to a greater reality. The family is ordered by God the way that it is to image this reality that God in Jesus Christ is our father. And Jerusalem above is that great motherly bridal city to which we belong. And so brothers and sisters, I'll just leave you with this to think through. Something to discuss over the table this afternoon. If the fifth commandment is about honoring our father and mother How do we honor our Heavenly Father and the church as our mother? We have not thought through all of the implications of the fifth commandment until we've thought about that. There's one more thing we need to say because, well, quite frankly, there's been an elephant in the room this whole time. I I realize that for some of us here this morning, The fifth commandment may sound like a cruel joke. Honor your father and mother. Those words might stir up feelings of sadness and disappointment for those of us who have grown up in in broken homes, in dysfunctional homes, who have grown up with dishonorable parents. And so the question remaining boils down to this. How are we supposed to to honor parents who are, quite frankly, dishonorable. And maybe, maybe dishonorable isn't strong enough. For some of us, the thought of our parents raises feelings of of joy and gratitude. But that is not true for all of us, is it? Some of us have been terribly abused by our parents, by people who are supposed to love you, care for you, provide for you, and protect you. And those are the people who have hurt you the most. And because of that, this commandment, which calls us to honor our parents who have sinned against us in some of the most unspeakable ways imaginable, might just sound like a cruel joke. Some of us might be thinking, okay, this commandment, I get it. I get it that it makes sense for most people. But you don't know my dad. You don't know what he did to me. You don't know my mom and the things she said to me. And that's true, I don't. But if that's where you are, I I want to encourage you this morning to own a psalm. I want you to hear these words from Psalm 27 verse 10. Take these words as your own. My father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. My father and my mother have forsaken me, 
but the Lord will take me in. You see, there is good news for children with dishonorable parents. Your father and mother may have forsaken you, but the Lord takes you in. Do you remember what Jesus said at the end of John's gospel? After after he had done it all, after he had gone down in shame and dishonor and death, and he got up again, you remember what he said to Mary Magdalene? He said, go and tell my brothers that I am ascending to my Father and to your Father and to my God and to your God. Have, have you thought about what that means, friends? Jesus is your brother. His Father is your Father. His God is your God. And He will never forsake you. He has taken you in to love you, to care for you, to provide for you, and to protect you. I wonder if you've ever met somebody who hates their mom and dad, who hates them for what they did to them, but they're so, they're so fixed on it, they're so fixated on it, it's, it, it, it's just a controlling reality in their life. It's all they think about. And then maybe they go a little while with with being able not to think about it, but something happens and it stirs up all of these thoughts and emotions again and it just consumes them and it's this constant cycle. I'm not saying this is all there is to caring for such people, friends, but the gospel can change that. The gospel can change that. Instead of being fixated on how people have failed us, the gospel teaches us to focus on What our Heavenly Father has done for us. He has taken us in. And and we need to know that kind of unwavering love and acceptance that frees us. It frees us from thinking that our relationship to our dishonorable parents is going to define us forever. And it frees us to be different. Because here's our story as Christians. We have an older brother. His name is Jesus. And he lived for us. And he lives for us still. And we have a heavenly father who has taken us in and will never forsake us. And we have a mother who nurtures us with her ways that we may flourish like the grass of the field. And so we can live knowing we are loved and cared for without fear or shame. And we can give honor to those to whom honor is due. Let's pray together. Lord our God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your law. And we pray that you would write your law upon our hearts. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you came in our flesh and you kept the fifth commandment, honoring your heavenly father, honoring your earthly mother and father, and then you laid down your life on the cross for those who have spent a lifetime dishonoring God and dishonoring others. 
Thank you for your grace to us. And now we ask that by your spirit, you would conform us to your likeness. That we might give honor to those in our lives to whom we owe honor. And we pray all of these things in your name. Amen.